Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, and I am the founder and managing director of the search firm called the Anthony Michael Group. We help companies across uh, the medical technology industry, primarily within medical device, digital health, and diagnostics to build high-performing teams, most of which are on the technical side of the business. So if you think of areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, et cetera. And I have the privilege of regularly featuring and hosting best-in-class leaders straight from the industry on this podcast, talking about all things talent-related. Today is no different. We are hosting Mr. Bruce McKean, a 25-plus-year veteran within the MedTech uh, regulatory and quality space. Uh, Bruce's experience has been focused primarily on quality management and regulatory compliance with federal and international regulations re- related to electromechanical, uh, implantable, and of course, software as a medical device products. Uh, Bruce has spent the majority of his career working for Philips. Uh, he started there as a quality engineer, rose up the ranks quickly, uh, ultimately becoming one of the directors of quality and uh, regulatory. And today, he serves as the director of regulatory for a company called RIMSYS. Now, if you haven't heard of RIMSYS, it is a world-leading regulatory information management software, uh, or that's what they provide for medical technology companies that digitizes, automates, and creates regulatory order. Uh, RIMSYS considers themselves the only holistic RIM software for medical devices, in vitro diagnostics, and medical device software. Uh, The company makes it easy to navigate the pillars of regulatory affairs, including product registration, standards management, essential uh, principles, and regulatory intelligence. Without uh, further ado, Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've got, uh, like I said, I'm very fond of of you, the background that you've, um, the experience that you've been able to achieve over these last 25 plus years, and of course, all the exciting stuff that's happening uh, at RIMSYS. I want to start off and go back in time, Bruce. You know, one of the cool things about you specifically is the fact that not only did you make a transition from quality to regulatory, but in a few minutes, the audience is going to learn that you really had the, a unique opportunity to do some things that most quality and regulatory professionals haven't. And I'm going to kind of leave the carrot there for a minute because I, I want to focus in on the fact that you made a transition from quality to regulatory. As a uh, search firm within this space, we get asked all the time, hey, if I want to get into quality and I'm a regulatory professional now, or I'm a quality professional now, but I really want to get into regulatory what is your recommendation on how to do so? I want the audience uh, to hear your story. You know, you started at Philips years and years ago in quality engineering. Talk about kind of how you made that trans- transition and, and why you did so. Yeah. So, um, so basically, when I uh, came out of college, I needed a job. And first first job uh, that I landed was uh, working for a company doing quality, quality work. Uh, and I kind of never knew much about it. Uh, I have a background in, in, in industrial engineering, wanted to get into manufacturing, got into quality, uh, like I said, as my first job. Uh, and then from there, uh, it was, you know, it was kind of a niche field where, um, you know, once you get into med device, it's very hard to leave. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an area of um, high need. 
Uh, so I grew my career uh, taking on different uh, quality positions. Uh, and uh, when I came uh, over to Philip, uh, I was hired in as a, as a quality uh, engineer. But I knew uh, in order for myself to grow within Philips, um, I needed to make myself uh, more marketable. In Philips, uh, they focus a lot on quality and regulatory, where it's it's one entity. Even though there was specific roles in quality uh, as well as in regulatory, as you grew uh, within the organization, uh, in order really to uh, advance, you really needed to understand both quality and regulatory uh, within the organization. To do so, you know, it, it, it's difficult. You know, it's 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 a very difficult thing to try and say, how can I? learn this regulatory piece. They're closely related, but yet they're, they're very different in, in, in activities. Uh, so what I, was, what I was able to do is I actively sought out opportunities uh, within the organization um, to be able to learn regulatory. One thing I learned early on is that no one comes by and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to come learn regulatory. I actively saw this as a way of developing my career. So uh, within my business, um, I worked with uh, some uh, seasoned veterans, um, and they kind of took me under their wings early and and gave me some assignments, uh, some uh, assignments learning how to do a 510K submission, uh, working uh, you know with the design teams. I was already involved with the design teams from a quality standpoint, uh, but I was also taking on the active role of of, of doing some regulatory work. Uh, of course, under the supervision of of a seasoned veteran. That was probably the biggest um, and most valuable opportunity that I had to really learn what is what what is regulatory. What's their main role? What's their um, you know responsibility within uh, a med tech company. So through that, um, it was a huge learning. I also um, uh, did a lot of self self learning. There's tons of information, almost too much information out there, and just you know from from researching, looking at uh, uh, different websites, things like that. Uh, I learned a lot, as well as I took some courses uh, at night uh, for regulatory affairs uh, to also help. And then just you're, you're, con- you're immersed in it constantly. It's around you working in the quality and regulatory space within a med, med device company. So just, just with all of that, it really gave me a good understanding of what it meant and what the main function was uh, of a uh, regulatory professional. So I love what you said because when you asked for, for, when you proactively sought out these opportunities, the manager that you had at the time, was that manager over quality specifically or over quality and some portion of regulatory? So my main um, director was a quality and regulatory director. So um, you were able to get projects underneath your current supervisor. It wasn't like you had to work with another team? Correct. We were all in the same organization. So we had like, you know, for simplicity's sake, we had the regulatory yeah. row, we had the quality row but we were all together as a department. And so we worked a lot engineering. We were on design teams, development teams. I had my responsibilities. Uh, regulatory had their responsibilities. Uh, and then we started to, like I say, kind of do some cross, cross development. And, and that was my choice because I really wanted to understand that, again, in order to succeed within the company and grow within the company. I always tell folks who are looking to make the transition from regulatory to quality or quality to regulatory that much easier to try and 
gain that experience with your current organization than it is to go out and try and apply for a position in, in the opposite function, right? Yeah. Not only that, but it really takes, it takes a lot of proactive work. Like you said, nobody's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, here's an opportunity, right? So I love right. the fact that you were studying at nighttime. You were researching as much as you can on your own. You took extra courses. You went to your supervisor or to the powers that be on the team and said, hey, I really want to learn this. And you put yourself out there. I've interviewed over 50 plus executives at this point, And I always ask, what advice would you have for those looking to come up the ranks? And what's similar about what you and I are talking about now compared to that is every single one of them, 100% of them said, got outside of my comfort zone. I stretched myself and I asked for opportunities and I, put volu- I, I volunteered for opportunities. And that exactly. put me on various project teams. And I learned so much from that. It gave me visibility and people thought of me moving forward because I was, you know, putting myself out there. So kudos to you. Now, I had dropped a uh, carrot at the beginning of the show. I said, you got to do some things that not a lot of regulatory and quality professionals have exposure to. I'm going to let you uh, share what that was. Okay. So during my career um, at Philips, uh, I was there for 20 years uh, and uh, I got to experience um some uh, different types of activities. Uh, and, and at a certain time um, when I was there, um, there was lots of um, acquisitions going on within, within Philips. Um, and Philips, basically, the entire company is somewhat of an acquisition at one time. Uh, I was actually acquired by Philips at one time. And so there was a lot of that activity going on. And based on my experience working both the quality and regulatory side, they needed someone, and this was kind of a, somewhat of an afterthought when it came down to uh, mergers and acquisitions. So they never really, um, mergers and acquisitions was a team, mostly of business people going out, looking at companies to acquire. Uh, and then it seemed like at very last minute, try, prior to making the deal, they involved quality and regulatory at the end and slowly learned that that's probably not the best way to do it. So they actually created a position for uh, within mergers and acquisitions for a quality and regulatory rep. Well, I took that position and uh, my full-time job was um, representing quality and, and regulatory uh, on the mergers and acquisitions team. Mergers and acquisitions, um, when I say that, that involves uh, everything from due diligence to uh, integration work, bringing the company in, as well as some divestments. And so it wasn't actually just acquiring companies, but also uh, doing this type of work for um, minority investments. So when Phillips wanted to go out and invest uh, some money into a potential startup, we would do some due diligence to see, is is there a risk here in investing all that money? So it had a, a lot of different flavors to it. And what we really learned from, from some of the past issues is that you needed to involve quality and regulatory at the beginning of the process and all the way through, through the process and not something that's an afterthought, which I think is somewhat of a, a typical thing that occurs within industry is that things move along and then at the very end, quality and regulatory comes in and we act basically as the bad guy because they involved us at the very end. I was just going to say, you know, the, the old adage is that regulatory has been the redheaded stepchild of the companies, almost kind of like the necessary evil. And I think over the last couple of years, especially, there's been a, a pretty big shift in mindset. I think a lot of CEOs are valuing regulatory a whole, in a whole different way. I think that there's been a lot more respect as far as the strategic input that regulatory can offer. I think that there's been a a lot of growth when it comes to the importance of good, harmonized quality management systems and the value for that, right? But right. you've got such unique perspective because, like I said, 
to be able to be on a mergers and acquisition team and to really represent regulatory quality and to go through that due diligence, you got a lot of insights as to what companies are doing with their regulatory and quality programs. Right. And uh, right. I'd love you to, I'd love for you to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, we're obviously not naming names of companies that you went into, but really your findings of the good, the bad, and the ugly of when you were involved in this stuff. I can give you some information, of course. Yeah. You know, I'm under NDA for a lot of stuff. So, you know, it, it, it it's, it's something that uh, even though I worked uh, most of my career at Phillips, I got a lot of exposure to these other companies, you know, by taking on this role. And it, it, it was really something that I enjoyed because, you know, there's a certain piece that was, it was investigative. You were like a yeah. investigator looking into documents, records that exist on this company to try and make a conclusion on what's the level of risk of acquiring this company, as well as, is, is this a go or a no-go? And a lot of times, regardless of go, no-go, if it is a go, what is the cost that it's going to take to bring this company up to a level of compliance that we need them to be? So really, that was part of the due diligence process is doing that investigative work, uh, going out, uh, looking at uh, government databases uh, for information you can gather. Uh, what I think people don't realize is that um, because of the nature of the due diligence and, and it can't, you know, it's, it's uh, you're under an NDA, the employees within that company do not know anything. So there's very limited information that the company can provide or will provide during this due diligence period. So you need to take that information plus uh, research and government databases, as well as doing some, I did some covert operations um, where I had to go into a company and pose as a potential customer and that I was coming in to kind of audit their facility, see how they run things, to gather some information. Um, and there was a time where we had to go in to a company at night after hours and be able to look at uh, some records, paperwork, uh, with, with really no employees there to be able to make uh, our conclusions on the level of risk of acquiring this company. Wow, uh, that's an awesome any red job, flag. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is, it was, it was interesting. It was a whole nother aspect to this quality and regulatory field um, that, that, you know, people don't realize is out there. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. I, and I'd never even, I mean, clearly it makes so much sense to me, but I never even thought about it because we get stuck in our, in our lane sometimes. What did you find as far as, you know, some of the pitfalls of where, how people had their systems or, you know, things? Because I can imagine that everybody had their, you know, some might've been cell sheets. Some have been, you know, really good condensed, you know, harmonized systems. What was your, what was your findings overall? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it, it's pretty amazing because we're all here, you know, with, quality and regulatory, as well as these medical device companies to have a common endpoint, and that's produce a product yeah. to be able to market that product that's safe and effective. But there's so many different ways to get there. And, and what I experienced is there's companies out there at varying levels of compliance. You know, you got your companies that are kind of in the middle, you got companies that are, you know, have, you know, high compliance, and then your companies that, you know, some low compliance. Um, and what I also found is the ones that are kind of mid to high, those were the easier ones to work with. They understood it. They got it. The ones that were kind of medium to low, uh, those were the more difficult uh, integrations that we had to do. And so, um, you know, you always needed to figure out how you're going to approach these, these different um, companies. And, it, you know, again, it just made my job easier. And once I had a good plan established, uh, as well as knowing, you know, going into these other companies where it's probably not going to be as, as easy, you know, so the quality system, that's something we can always 
fairly fix easily. Where you also learn, though, is there's companies out there that have very simplistic quality management systems, and they were still, you know, compliant. You know, they did well in audits. Uh, and then you had your companies with very complex systems. And again, it, it created a level of um, whether something was easy from an integration standpoint uh, or, or not so easy. So I was going to ask you, I want to ask you something about that. So there's all different ways that you can structure a quality management system. And I'm not the expert by any means. I'm a headhunter by trade, right? Right. But you just said something. There were companies that had simple uh, systems, the way they did things, yet they did well with audits. They did well with compliance, et cetera, et cetera. Then you had very complex. Why would there be added complexity for no reason if you can get by with a simple system that works? It's a good question. I genuinely am asking because I'm just thinking, man, that seems like... Man, if you could do it this way and everybody could do it this way and it's simple and straightforward, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and, and so it, it tended to be the smaller companies that had these very simplistic quality management systems and, and they were compliant. And, it, and it's more the larger companies. I don't know if it's just the level of um, visibility they have and, and scrutiny and all the people in there with different interpretations of how things should be that you know, the processes, you know, to let's say do a submission is one simple process in a smaller company, but yet in a larger company, you have, you know, processes on top of processes. And it's just, it's just a myth. It's almost like um, these larger companies are their own worst enemies and they tend to create these things and requirements and steps and different functions that need to come in and do different things um, that really this, it starts to snowball in a, in, to a certain extent. Sometimes creating chaos for uh, almost like where chaos doesn't need to be in essence. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. And speaking, it's a great transition, though, because what you guys are doing with RIMSYS is amazing. I want you to talk a little bit more about it. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the call, it's, RIMSYS offers a regulatory information management software. From what I gather is, you know, especially on the regulatory side, there's so much paperwork, so much documentation that goes into submissions, so much tracking of information, so many different points in the process, right? Between the communication right. with the notified bodies, the communication with the project teams, all, all this different stuff. And how I gather it is that RIMSYS offers a, a cloud-based software that streamlines all this stuff. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's very true. And again, taking some of my learning. So when I saw from a regulatory standpoint, how the regulatory functions within all these different companies, um, again, they had the same common endpoint to, to get the device cleared or approved within a country. The processes might, uh, were different. But what was similar was all the archaic ways of maintaining this data, being able to track this data, you know, from the, the spreadsheet. Every company I went to had a spreadsheet with, with you know, the various color codes uh, that they were using to track, you know, their, their registrations, the expirations, where they were cleared, where they weren't cleared. Um, and these spreadsheets were massive. As well as the information was so dispersed within the company that, you know, there was information kept in a, in a hard copy file. Some would be kept on their SharePoint. Some was kept in their PLM system. And it was just information was everywhere. It was almost like the, you know, a very common thing across uh, all these companies. 
And what I, what I realized and based on my experience is that the quality management system software that's out there today, it's very mature. There's some very large companies that, that offer this software to companies, but they're really isn't something that's been dedicated to um, regulatory affairs, especially uh, regulatory affairs for for med devices. Um, you'll find some out there for the pharma industry, uh, where there's been companies that are trying to take that uh, that software and use it for med device, but it just it works to a certain point, but it's just not um, as efficient as a software that's dedicated uh, to the med tech industry. Um, and that's really what RIMSYS is. It's a, it's a regulatory information management system that is geared directly towards the regulatory professional in their roles and responsibilities as a regulatory professional. And one thing that, you know, is kind of a claim to fame, it was developed by regulatory affairs professionals for regulatory affairs professionals. So people that have been in, like myself, in their shoes, trying to do this work, pulling their hair out, uh, as you can see, and trying to do their job and saying there has to be a better way to do this. Yeah, um, that's amazing. And, that, and that's really where kind of RIMSYS came from. It's awesome. And I'm sitting here thinking, of, okay, so if I was an organization, you know, it's another cost, another software. What are the benefits I'm going to get? One, I, I got to imagine the amount of productivity and time you get back. Uh, exactly. And, and the less, you know, and more streamlined process, more, less stress as far as communication goes. I would think that, you know, maybe some things get expedited because you're not losing things in the mix. What do you see as the primary benefits to a software for a company in the eyes of a regulatory professional? It's, uh, the benefits really are, having a solution for regulatory affairs work and it's all consolidated into one nice neat package what we have found based on talking to existing customers potential customers is um again the number one issue is the amount of administrative work that a regulatory affairs professional does versus actually doing the real technical work creating the submissions uh, working with government agencies, trying to assess uh, impact to uh, different design changes, labeling changes, changes to um, facility moves, closure, a merger and acquisition. That's really the work they should be doing and not trying to constantly be looking for documentation, trying to maintain spreadsheets of what country you know did I receive approval for, what country did I not? When is this going to expire? And so with all that administrative work, uh, companies have said to us that our number one issue, and it, it's attributed to this amount of administrative work, is being able to retain talent, you know, and it's, that has something to do with it, but it, it's also just the pressure right now, kind of the state we're in with all these countries coming out with these um, new regulations that are very complex to bring your device to market and you got UDI now. Um, you have all these things that a regulatory affairs professional needs to be able to interpret, understand, create a submission, and then be able to do administrative work and track all this um, different information. So you, because you have your business and your marketing people saying, when are we getting that product released? When are we getting that product released? And it's just a, it, it's a stressful environment. Um, and so what RIMSYS does is try and help and alleviate some of that inefficiencies uh, and stress from the workers. Um, 
And we've seen that that from some studies, the amount of uh, efficiencies that have been saved from our registration submission module, as well as um, from our essential principles GSPR module, and being able to maintain those and update those and and, and basically compile and author uh, your submission. You know, it sounds like amazing stuff and it gives back so much time and takes away so much stress. I got to imagine that maybe some of the objections or heartburn that you guys might hear from prospective customers is, well, you know, that's why we, we already have a project manager and that person is responsible for kind of maintaining all this, you know, the heavy lifting and, you know, we, we're doing it ourselves or our spreadsheets work just fine the way we have it. We set them up this way for a reason or maybe it's too expensive and we don't have the budget for that right now. We're just going to keep going. What other... First of all, is that accurate? And second of all, are there other objections that you hear as to why this might not work for somebody, why they think it won't? So, so overall, yeah, I mean, you got your naysayers, you got your um, people out there that say, yeah, I, you know, I'm happy with my spreadsheet. And, you know, I, I think if, if people could just, you know, see what it can do and how it makes their jobs easier, yeah, they would, they would be able to understand that. You know, it's it's the cost of doing business and it's going to help retain employees and it's also going to ensure compliance. Um, do I, you know, do I have products going into a country that aren't registered? Well, you know, there's, if I forgot to check that off in my spreadsheet or, you know, things like that, um, it could raise potential compliance issues. The other thing uh, that I'd like to add is that we have also uh, have some some information where someone forgot to update uh, expiration dates and because of that it expired and um, there was uh, information for the selling uh, was unable to happen uh, in that country and they lost a significant amount of revenue because of that mistake within that within uh, that spreadsheet. And so if we can take away uh, any of that and help them uh, then we're, you know, to me, it's a benefit just to at least check out the software, take a look at it, see how it's um, uh, going to benefit you. I mean, I've been in some of these dem- demonstration calls, and when customers see some of the things we're doing within this software, it's like their lo- their eyes just like light up, like wow. You know, we just got to make your job all the more worthwhile, too, because as a regulatory professional, I'm sure it's a passion of yours just to be able to show other regulatory professionals how much easier things could be if they kind of, you know, are open minded to something like this. Right, right. No, I, I definitely agree. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and I love what you said about the, the amount of pressure that's being put on the industry right now, especially in regulatory with how quickly some of these regulations are changing across the world and how many new things are coming out with all the digital health and the wearables and Sandy stuff and how fast that's changing. There's just only going to be more and more uh, complicated stuff to deal with. So a lot of kudos to what you guys are doing over there. I want to wrap up by having you talk a little bit about something else that I think you're doing really amazing for the industry at large, and that is some of these get-together uh, communities that you're building. I think you're building one in, in Boston, and you're building one, if I'm not mistaken, in the San Jose, San Francisco area. Will you sure. talk a little bit about uh, the community that you're doing? Yeah, so we're, we're trying to get together um, a group of regulatory professionals to, to network, come out. Uh, so we have uh, in Boston uh, on September 29th from 12 to 5. Uh, it's, it's really a, a networking session. It's not, it is not going to be a, a heavy sales pitch. Uh, of course, it's sponsored by RIMSYS. It's really to bring people together to talk shop, so to speak, 
talk about some of the things that are going on right now in industry. Uh, we'll also have customers there that use our system uh, that people can ask them questions if they want. Uh, and they'll talk a little bit about, you know, how the system has really improved what they're doing. Um, but we're not forcing anyone, you know, to come there and sit and through a demonstration or anything like that. It's, it's a more casual setting in a brewery with bringing people together, have some lunch, do some networking, talk to your fellow peers and, uh, really just have a, a good afternoon of kind of, you know, talking regulatory. Uh, and there also, of course, will be some, uh, free beer. Um, and you'll get, can't go wrong with free beer, right? Right. Get to see a little brewery tour and, and, and just have a, a, a fun afternoon. That's awesome. And then is there one coming up in California as well? Yeah. So uh, the one in California, um, so I will be at the Boston one. Uh, the one in California is, um, that's going to be on Thursday, October 13th. Um, okay. And that is 12 to 5 as well. Uh, and that will be at uh, Big Dog Vineyard. So a winery, uh, kind of similar approach. Oh, nice. Uh, sim- similar agenda. And uh, hopefully people in that area that have interest in rinses want to come out and join us, uh, will come out and join us. I can, uh, they, people can either contact me if, uh, through LinkedIn if they want to get more information. I can provide a, uh, a, a link uh, to more information about it. Uh, and again, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's not a, a heavy salesy kind of gathering. It's really trying, we're trying to get round tables together, people to come together, community of practices to be able to come and talk shop about regulatory and also see, uh, let you see some of uh, the features we have within our system. Awesome. Well, really good stuff. Um, I think it's, it's definitely the way of the future as far as, you know, everything's cloud-based these days, it seems. And so why not have a, uh, an amazing streamlined software for, for regulatory professionals as well? So I give kudos to you and to the company for what you guys are trying to do. Kudos to you for everything that you've been able to accomplish to date in your own career, Bruce. Uh, wishing you, you and the company uh, nothing but the best going forward. We'll make sure to put a link to your LinkedIn profile as well as a link to the um, uh, to Rimsys on the show notes, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. And, that uh, great. Yeah, and thanks so much for being here on the show. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.